Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 308 today um, with Tim Boss, CEO of SharRing, to talk about digital identities, digital credentials, um, and what that kind of looks like in 2023 in the Web3 and blockchain space and what they are working on in this side of the space. Tim, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you on. Uh, very excited to learn more about this stuff today with you. Thanks, Brandon. It's great to be here. Um, pleasure to have you on as well. Um, and it's great to have you. So before we get started, would love to learn more about yourself as well before we jump into sharing. Tell me a bit about you, um, you know, where you're from, the type of climates you've been in, um, <laughs> and uh, a little bit of what kind of makes up um, Tim and what he's done in the past. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. Um, hot here at the moment, so sweating a little bit uh, <laughs> right now with no air conditioning today. Um, so, I mean, my, my past, I've, I've been in tech industry for years. I've, I, I had my first job um, working for a video game company back in to, uh, 1995, 96, um, testing video games. And, you know, I'd, before then, when I was sort of young, I used to do my own programming. I learned assembly language on the Commodore Amiga. So passion for tech has sort of been in my veins. Um, number of times I've been electrocuted, I couldn't tell you. Um, changing fuses on computers and things. Um, but I, I, I worked in consulting for a while, and then I started my first startup in around 2004. Uh, came across Bitcoin, uh, the the internet money in around 2010, um, and I, and I was actually really fascinated with not the idea of what Bitcoin could be in terms of a digital currency, but more around the technology of it. So I think at around a few years earlier than that, I used to do the SETI at home software on my computer where you could participate in helping to find um, extraterrestrial intelligence. But I mean, that was, again, a fascination for the decentralized nature of the technology. Um, so I mined, I mined Bitcoin for about six months on a, on a laptop. Um, no idea where that's gone now. Uh, and then started a few companies, exited a few companies, and around 2015, I came across the Ethereum white paper and looked at that. And it, it honestly, it, it really blew my mind, the, the idea that you could run this, I guess, a virtual computer in a decentralized nature um, with, um, obviously, in, in, in immutable fashion on the smart contracts. So... I looked at it and basically said, this solves a lot of problems that we that I had in some startups that I had before. So that was really where the seed for what we developed with sharing basically came about. So, you know, for, for me, this has always been just a passion for, for technology and how to use technology to do things uh, to solve problems in the world. Not really looking for a problem for, with a technology, but the other way around, looking for technology that solves certain problems. Excellent. So you've kind of been around, you know, this type of stuff in the space for a while, a little bit of familiarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I started investing in um, crypto in about 2016. So mm -hmm. that's when I started sort of putting some some money into it and actually enjoying the investment side of things too. Was there a moment or period of time where you kind of had this realization that, oh, maybe Ethereum or another blockchain or protocol that's very similar combined with like a privacy layer could be you know very valuable going into the near future um or sometime down the line and maybe is you know a, a direction or an area you want to work in was there like a moment where you realized that or did it just kind of come across 
No, I mean, there was. So, I mean, as I said, when I first read the, the white, Ethereum white paper, I sort of, I saw it and just thought there's something here, like there's something here that's going to solve a lot of problems that we've had in previous companies. My, as I said before, my passion around sort of creating technology, new technology, all of my startups have really been based on technology that we've created. Um, but it was around, I think, 2017 where I, I basically just stopped and I started to see a lot of the startups, a lot of the new projects coming out and, you know, it was, it was the ICO season and all that sort of stuff. So I started to look at those and, 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 and the types of things that they were doing and the different protocols that they were and all that. And I thought, this is something I, I really want to get into myself. Um, and, and that was where I was totally hooked. You know, I, I put a team together to start looking at it with me and, and looking at how we can solve problems around digital identity, um, most more specifically around the sharing economy back then, um, and how we could so solve a lot of problems by using sort of blockchain technology. So that, that whole privacy layer and, you know, what Ethereum was offering and all that sort of stuff for me was just like, wow, really cool. Got it. So, and then you guys, did you found SharingRing? Do you have co-founders? Um, and then what time, what year was this done? Yeah, so we we founded SharingRing in right at the start of 2018. So not the best time, if you remember where the market was sort of going around that time, not the best mm -hmm. time to sort of start um, a crypto company. But I mean, for us, it didn't really matter because we knew that we were sort of starting on a marathon. Um, this wasn't about creating a quick protocol that we could launch. This was a, a multi-year project that we needed to basically get out there. So I co-founded the company with a friend of mine, Rowan, uh, and then also brought along some of the um, shareholders from um, my previous startup keys. Um, and, you know, a few of those, like Jane is still one of our directors, works very, very closely with me. Rowan's still very closely involved with the business as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's really been me, Jane, Rowan of, of, of more sort of the founding shareholders, and we've got some other shareholders that have been involved from the previous uh, startup as well. Yeah, twenty eighteen was pretty deep in that bear market in that Ooh, crypto yeah. winter right after that first major run up. Um, yeah, that that was hard for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess a, a lot of companies. A lot of these startups are created by people that don't know how to bootstrap or don't know how to sort of properly manage budgets to survive through some of these winters. Um, you know, every, every point of the way when, when we built the company, we've always sort of looked at making sure that we've got funding for at least 18 months ahead uh, mm -hmm. for us so that if there is some sort of winter or something like that where where we do either need to raise more or something like that, you know, we've, we've always got money in the bank to be able to pay salaries and we don't take risks with with money by investing in crypto ourselves or anything like that as well. Yeah. What kind of runway did you guys kind of give yourself knowing, you know, the period of time you were in, in the crypto market, were you able to figure, okay, maybe we just need to get by for six months or for 12 months. Um, this is you know, X amount of dollars. Um, it, it's very unpredictable how long these periods of time last before, you know, you have at least some semblance of change so that it's at least sustainable to have a startup at least during that yeah. period of time. Um, um, we've, always assumed, we've always assumed 18 months. So it, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how short the previous bear markets or anything like that were. Um, for us, it's always quite safe to assume 18 months. So, you know, we're, where we are now, we're sort of just in the process of starting the revenue generation side of things um, in terms of getting the products out to market. So, you know, we, we still have around 18 months runway uh, ahead of us. So, 
you know, we've we've got a very, very healthy balance sheet. We manage our monthly outgoings very, very closely as well. Nice, man. So five years later here in 2023, um, what what is sharing today? What does it look like? What do you guys work on the most? Uh, so when we started, we, we had a focus mostly in the sharing economy. So, you know, solving problems within there. But the core the core part of our product was really at that time, we called it One ID, which was basically our identity management solution because we saw that that was where the biggest gap in the market was in terms of the frictionless access and generating trust between the user and the provider, um, ease of access or ease of installation or ease of sign up um, and those sorts of things. So when we started building the platform, we decided we're not building just a protocol on Ethereum or another chain. What we needed to do is really build something from the ground up. So we chose... Um, at the time, it was just Tendermint. So we chose Tendermint Framework to build on top of. We looked at a bunch of other chains and things like that. Um, and that's now obviously part of the Cosmos SDK um, ecosystem. So we, we built that. And it was really the long-term focus was build that foundation, get the protocols in place, get the modules in place for that, uh, and then start building on top of that, which is basically our sharing um, vault solution, which is the verifiable credentials and identity management. And that's basically our... Um, I guess from a from a B2B perspective and a B2C perspective, that's really our core product, which is that sharing vault, which is a self-sovereign reusable identity um, that can be accredited across um, different through different countries uh, and be used across many, many different verticals as well. So not just the sharing economy anymore. Yeah, I want to dive into some of those uh, products under sharing and you know what you have to offer. Um, for potential customers, clients, users, you know, however that looks for you guys. Before we do that, um, I think it'd be helpful to kind of elaborate a little bit more on what digital identity is or digital credentials yeah. are for people. Because um, I think there's a lot of different views on what that looks like today, whether it's, you know, self-sovereign or state-run or whether it's, you know, yeah. tracking your heart rate in your smartwatch or mm-hmm. um, having a virtual passport um, what does what this kind of boil down to you guys when you think of an, a digital identity? Yeah, it, it's a really good point because I think everyone has their own slightly different view on what identity means to them or what digital identity is. Um, for us, we take more of a, a very holistic view. So I basically see my, my identity as everything about me. So it's a point in time um, and also my history um, about me as well. So it's not just my passport or my driver's license or um, a digital version of that. It's, it's everything about me. It's my graduation certificate. It's um, medical records. It's um, a ticket that I might have for an, for an event um, and, and all that. So that that is all part of my identity. And our view of the world is that we believe very, very strongly that people should have custody of their own identity. And at the moment, it's, you know, it's, too often we have our identity is stored on some central server with Facebook or Apple or Google or uh, Microsoft or, or many, many other company companies where we just rely on them to look after our identity and rely on them to share it with companies that we say we want to share. And they also, some of them have been known to share with companies we don't want them to share it with. So I think part of, part of our goal is to sort of have the ability through what we've created with the vault to actually own that identity, which is, which is you. It's like a digital me, basically. Absolutely. Um, and it's very important. I don't think people really think about it as much yet, you know, the need for it other than, 
you know, the typical, you know, control your data. Don't let the government have it. Don't let big tech have it. Um, mm. You know, at least be able to monetize it or sell it or use it however you like, have some privacy. But there's so much more to it, I think, yeah. um, that people haven't fully realized. So what are some of these products that you guys have with a share ring? I know you guys have um, like this digital wallet. I know you have a like passport type solution. Can you kind mm -hmm. of, I know you highlighted them briefly, but let's go into depth a little bit more so people can kind of understand them. Yeah, great. So I, I guess at the core of this is something that we call a sharing vault. So the vault is basically a storage a mobile phone based storage mechanism to hold any verifiable or verified credentials about you so um, within our app on the phone uh, you can store things like a, a verified passport so it's a digital representation of your passport a driver's license a national id card it could be graduation certificates medical certificates um, any type of information about you can store is stored in the vault um, and and what you can basically do is use some of our technology to present information about you to someone either through um, someone may be requesting what your name is or you may be checking into a hotel so you can say scan a qr code at the entrance of the hotel to check into it um, it may be at a 7-eleven where you want to buy some alcohol or something like that and you need to prove that you're over 18. so at the moment when you um, say go if, if if you look underage and you go to 7-eleven if you want to buy alcohol right now you have to pull out your driver's license and then give them that information and they can look at it and they've got your full name, your date of birth, your um, your home address for some of them and so on and so on. And our view is it shouldn't be like that because all you're trying to do is prove that you're over 18. So using the vault and um, a query language that we've created, you can basically prove that you're over 18 without sharing any of that information with them. So we use a bit of zero knowledge um, as part of that. So the question that they ask you is, are you over 18? And then through scanning a QR code or um, in future using NFC or something like that, you can basically prove something about yourself to gain access to something. So if you look at us as a company, our our mission is is really quite simple and broad. It's it's really to remove friction from these everyday interactions, but also allowing our users of the vault to have that highest level of security and also trust between the two parties as well, and then control absolute control of their personal information. Um, so so the vault, as I, as I mentioned, is the core part. We've also developed something called the vault query language. So query language is basically the ability to um, get information or request information from that vault. So uh, there's a dashboard that we've created that someone can write up a simple JavaScript query that, that asks a question of someone. So it might be, what's your name? What's your um, passport number? And what's your date of birth? And they can sort of create a query that asks that question and it'll create a QR code out of it. Um, and I can scan that with my app and it'll basically send It'll tell me what information I'm sending. Some of it might be optional or not, and it'll send that information to them so I can say sign up for a car sharing service or booking into a hotel or something like that. So they're, they're the main parts. The other part is what we call document issuance. So it's a, the ability for um, document issuers to be able to input information into the vault. So it might be a university wanting to add a graduation certificate into your vault. Um, so, you know, everything, as you, as you know, is the, the nucleus of this is basically the vault.
Yeah, this is very interesting. Um, on, I, two questions on that. On the first part, um, how do you verify? So is the verification of, let's say, age and identity um, something that's done within the wallet? Or do you have to have some kind of integrated partnership with a, a store or another company? So, if, for example, if I was under 18, clearly I'm not. But if I went into 7-Eleven and let's say I was 16 and I wanted to buy a brewski and I wasn't allowed to. Um, mm -hmm. But is there a way for them to scan that app and then verify the identity because that's done within the app? Or do you have to have some kind of existing partnership there with 7-Eleven? So there's, there's a few ways that they can do it. So one is quite a passive way where where they can basically um, go into the dashboard, create their own query, and then and then take the QR code and either integrate it with a point of sale system or um, even even print out a static QR code. And and when I scan that, if it's through a point of sale system, when I scan that, the QR code will change to a tick to say yes, this person satisfies those requirements. Um, if it's a, a printed one, when I scan it, the printed one can have embedded in it a, a code or a color of the day or something like that. So when I scan it, I can show the face of my phone to show the positive result um, of that, that scan as well. So that's like a, a standard zero knowledge based question. If, if it's something that's sort of like a company that has maybe their own app or something for, say, alcohol delivery service, we've got SDKs available where they can take that SDK and incorporate that into their app. So they can basically have um, access to your vault from that app uh, and, and basically do that. So we, we've created this ability so that even your, you can have one vault on your phone and there can be many, many apps that actually query your vault from within your phone as well. So it's sort of like an all-encompassing type of design that we've done. That, that part was really hard to, to allow sort of multiple apps to share a secure version of the, of the vault and those apps can't query that vault unless you actually give permission to it. So to be able to do that um, as part of an SDK, SDK was very, very hard. Are there any use cases or examples where that's set up with today that there's a company you guys are working with um, for something very similar? Yeah, so so the first, we've, we've done a few pilots in the past. So um, some of them were with some stadiums, basically looking at doing identity checks um, and back during COVID, um, COVID vaccine checks when people were entering. So there were some proof of concepts and pilots. We did huge learnings from those. Um, one of the biggest learnings actually from that was an understanding that often when there's, say, an, a big event or something like that where people may want to use this, the mobile service is terrible. So we can't rely on mobile service for this service to work. So we actually changed the way it works so that it works in an offline mode as well so that you don't have to have you know, cellular service to be able to use some of what's available in the app. Um, we've been working, we worked with a financial institution in Barbados to, to basically do some tests for EKYC for customer signing up there uh, a, a while ago. And then now we're basically working with, I can't name names at the moment, but basically um, in discussions with a, a government to, to incorporate their physical ID card so that we can basically suck the information in from the NFC chip. So we, you hold, literally hold, the card to the phone, the app will suck the information in and create a digital version of your ID so you can use it in, um, I say, Web 2, so online, but also Web 3 environments as well. Um, so there's that's some really good discussions there. And then we're also working with a number of other companies for, say, delivery services, um, 
trying to sort of figure out what I can say without giving too much away. Um, but yeah, so, so there, there are a number of pilots across a number of different verticals that we're basically doing at the moment or working towards at the moment. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. It's um, great to see like a use case like that really actually, you know, happening these days in 2023. I'm surprised we don't have it more often. I mean, I feel like this could be applied to um, the airlines where they double book people yeah. and, you know, being able to verify every bot seat or in the voting mm -hmm. system, being able to votify every single, uh, votify, verify every single voter <laughs> and, yeah. you know, yeah. not have controversy or, you know, there's so many different potential applications for that. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are. And, and I guess for now, the narrative is changing a lot towards um, owning your data and self custody of your information. So, you know, there's been a lot of very, very large scale hacks over the last couple of years. So people are more and more conscious about, you know, who has their data, who owns it and things like that. And GDPR obviously um, plays into that really, really quite well. Absolutely. And then the other question I had was you mentioned being able to streamline, you know, documents or data being put into the vault or into the hmm. um, the wallet. So like if you were a student at a college, maybe be able to get your grades or your transcripts or yeah. Yeah. Uh, sensitive yeah. documents directly into there. Or if you worked for um, a big cap company and maybe there's sensitive or private confidential information that goes directly into um, that vault or something. There's probably a lot of applications for that as well. Um, yeah. What What's um, maybe a good example of that? I know you mentioned, you know, you know, the college student potentially, but what, what about like, and maybe like the business side of things or at the corporate level, do you see like more applications there potentially as well? Yeah. So it's, it's actually an interesting one. So we've been talking a lot internally about this whole idea of personas. So, you know, I, I myself within my identity, I've got, you know, I've got my persona, which is my public persona, my persona within the business, my persona at home, my persona with my family. So I, I guess within that identity, there's different personas that you want to produce or give to people. Um, you know, for example, in the Web3 world, when I'm using sort of lending contracts and things like that, I don't want anyone to know who I am doing that. But I, I want to make sure that the counterparty that I'm dealing with isn't sanctioned or from a jurisdiction that shouldn't be dealing with me or something like that. So um, in, a, in a workplace, we've been talking a lot about different use cases around that. And it can be something as simple as building access. So, you know, using your, your vault and your identity within your vault to be able to simply tap uh, the door to be able to get into that building. So and, and then access to certain areas, there's things like the building industry, I think you mentioned earlier, where, you know, you, you maybe you need to be a registered builder to be go, on, go on site. Maybe you need to prove that you've gone through the induction process. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the examples are huge. Even when you're applying for a job to be able to prove something about yourself, to be able to get through the front door um, of that. So maybe you need to prove that you've, you've graduated or something like that without sort of giving too much information about yourself. Awesome. What about like NFT type integrations? I know there's a lot being yes. done with ticketing around NFTs or also around identity as well in, in some instances and use cases. Is there a plug-in for NFTs into, um, into sharing as well? Or is that something that you guys there aren't is. focusing on? Or it is? Okay. No, it, it is. So we've, we've just launched the NFT module. So there's two parts to it. One is... Um, I guess around the ticketing side. So we've done a number of tests and trials around the ticket NFT ticketing side. 
And interestingly, in all the dialogue, all the discussions we've had, the, the biggest interest isn't necessarily around that whole NFT ticketing, stop scalping and all that sort of stuff. It's actually more around attaching some sort of things like a proof of age or an identity to when you enter the arena or the event. Um, and, and, and there's a heap of use cases that people have come to us around that. So one of them was for a stadium that basically... You know, they don't care that people scalp the tickets or people on sell or resell the tickets. But the the problem with that is when someone sells a ticket to someone else, they don't know who owns that ticket. And generally that's fine, but but one of the some of the stadiums have a, a requirement uh, in terms of the duty of care to to know who it is that's basically going into the stadium. So by attaching, say, an NFT ticket to your identity within your vault, when you scan in to go to the entrance, you don't need to for them to copy your ID card or copy your passport or something like that. You just scan a QR code to get in and they can temporarily record your name so that if there's any problems in the stadium or, you know, any issues or anything like that, then they can always, they know who's been sitting in that seat and it's not just some anonymous person with a ticket. Um, you can also prove that you're over 18. So maybe anonymously go in and prove that you're over 18 for over 18 events. So there's a lot of benefits around that which go beyond just the NFT ticketing. In terms of NFT as ID, we have um, been testing and have just launched, I think it's on, on our testnet only at the moment, Soulbound Tokens. So the idea behind Soulbound Token is really to give you access to, um, I guess, things in the Web3 world. So you can keep, remain completely anonymous whilst also being able to prove something about yourself. So within Solvent Tokens is zero knowledge. So there may be, say, a DeFi contract that or a, um, a DEX that basically says that you can't be from these jurisdictions to be able to interface with us or to be able to use us. And the Solvent Token can prove that you're not from those jurisdictions because that might be the token's purpose or premise. So we've been doing a lot of work in that area. Uh, we're actually going to be launching very soon the ability to mint your own Solvent token based on the verifi verified credentials that are in your vault as well. Yeah, what's that token called again? It's a Soulbound token. So soul -bound. It's, it's something, yeah, there's been there's been quite a lot of talk about it recently. I think Binance recently launched Soulbound tokens. Um, there's a, a, a good paper that um, Vitalik uh, wrote a little while ago about Soulbound tokens as well. And the idea is that it operates and um, it's structured just like a, an NFT, except you can't move it. So once it's in your wallet, which is, you know, your wallet's your identity, once it's in your wallet, you can't actually move it out to someone else's wallet or sell it or anything like that. So it's something that is representative of you um, within that token. So it's not like an image. It's something that's basically representative of you. And it might just be something that says the holder of this token is over 18 or the holder of this token is um, not from a sanctioned country. Okay, I haven't heard about that before. That's that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's re it's really is, cool. Like, it's, is that something that's really new, or is that been does that white paper been around? Um, I think it was early last year where I first read about them, um, and I think there's been more and more discussions recently. We, there hasn't been a huge number of use cases yet about it, mm -hmm. but we are starting to see a little bit of demand in that area. So, a, a perfect example. You know, one of the reasons why a lot of US-based institutions and, and some other institutions can't um, use things like DeFi or lending contracts is because of the counterparty um, risk where they don't understand who the counterparty is. So, you know, co company XYZ in, in the US cannot 
um, enter a lending agreement with somebody if they're from, say, Iran or something like that. So within the DeFi world, there's no way to know that. So uh, a fix for that, instead of trying to look at a centralized solution, which is what a lot of people say is the solution, a fix for that is to use Solban tokens. So you can have a Solban token that says, I'm not from these jurisdictions, and you still have that on anonymity, but that means anyone that's using that DeFi contract is confident that they're only dealing with people that are not from sanctioned countries. So it does, it does solve a lot of problems within the DeFi world uh, without actually effectively giving away people's identity. Yeah, this is interesting type of token, something with a bit more permanence, I guess, that's, you know, yeah, not going to yeah. go away. I wonder if there's a way to edit that. Like if I spelt my last name wrong or something or put in an incorrect birth date, like hopefully that's not associated with me for life or I have to change the wallet. <laughs> there's got to be like some kind of way to yes. maybe make an so edit our, or something. Our view of Solvan tokens is that there will never be identifying data in there. So there'll only be, say, zero knowledge data in there. So there'll be something like I am over 18 or I am under 18 or mm -hmm. I'm not from these countries or something like that. So there's not really the opportunity with our approach that you would ever put any, I guess, personally identifiable information in there, which means that there's nothing to change once it's there. The other approach we're taking is that they can effectively self-destruct or be invalid after a certain amount of time. So you can create it and maybe every six months you need to create a new one just to re-verify that that information hasn't changed over that So it's a bit more binary, kind of just yes or no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely more of a yes or no. Um, we, we've got a policy of ours is that we don't ever store personally identifiable information on the blockchain. So with the vault, we store um, a digital hash of the information so that, that that means that even though you have complete control of what's in your vault you actually can't change it because if you change it it won't match the hash hash that's on the blockchain right. um so what we do is we store this 128-bit hash and that represents all of the information that's within your um, sharing vault uh and, and that basically means that even though you know i might share my passport information with you you look at it, you can say, hey, how do I know you haven't edited this or changed your name or date of birth or something? You can actually look on the blockchain. You can do a hash of that document you've received, look on the chain and see if it matches the hash that was created at the time that the document was put into my vault. Yeah, there's got to be some way to verify that binary information, those yes and no's. Like if I was yes. asked, have you yeah, ever committed there, there a crime? Is, yeah. And I was like, no, <laughs> but maybe I did yeah, something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so... It seems like there's a whole system that needs to go into that still, but no, that's really interesting, very exciting. Um, last question before we start wrapping up: what's what's your guys's goal uh, for sharing? You know, here in 2023, um, what do you guys want to focus on the most? Do you have a roadmap? Do you have some important dates coming up or events you're going to? Um, what is the next? I don't know, eight, nine, twelve months of uh, 2023 look like for you guys yeah great question so so for us we we run two divisions within the company so one of them is what's called sharing foundation so sharing foundation is really the 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 group that manages the underlying blockchain smart contracts that sit on top of it um the vault sdks and things like that so the goal within foundation is to get more people to build on our on our blockchain so we're running our first hackathon uh, at the moment, so that um, it, it's kicked off already uh, for one of the, some of the universities in Vietnam. So it's more of a pilot hackathon that we're running. 
um, and that's going to be the first of many. So what we're going to be doing is looking at incubating projects to build on us, rewarding them to build on us. We've created a um, fee distribution model for people that write smart, smart contracts on our chain as well, where they basically uh, they earn um, tokens for the usage of their smart contracts as well. So instead of them creating their own token, they actually get paid for creating smart contracts on the chain. Um, so that's something that's a big focus of ours at the moment. And then the other division is around um, what we call sharing business solutions. So that the focus of that this year for the next sort of six months is to, de- to do pilots and proof of concepts in the business to business arena. So very much focused on digital identity, very much focused on the software development kits that we've developed, um, but not specific to any verticals. So we're actually quite wide open in terms of verticals, but it's very focused on the digital identity and the SDK side. So we're already in some very advanced discussions with a number of companies there. Um, I think this year we're going to be really full up in terms of the number of pilots that we're running. And and then revenue generation from those, we're sort of looking from the middle of the year onwards, we start sort of converting those pilots into to big rollouts. And I guess the difference between us and a lot of companies in Web3 is we have that ability to, to, to have a real proper business to business focus instead of protocols and getting people to build on it but then with the underlying chain we can actually allow people to start building it and working on our protocols and stuff as well excellent where can people go to learn more and get more information on sharing so at the moment they can go to our website which is sharing.network um on there there's a heap of documentation there's the link to something called vault query language which you try out Uh, i think there's a link to a beta that we're launching soon which is basically a password management service. So being able to store passwords in your vault and using that to simply scan a QR code to log into websites, um, which is which is really cool. So it's, you know, taking passwords away from the centralized nature that they're in now. Uh, and then also we've got our Twitter, uh, which you can link to from our website. And then there's some a bunch of documents and stuff that are linked to from our website as well. Do you guys have a community on Discord or Telegram? We've got Telegram at the moment. We are we are in the process of setting up a Discord community that we'll go to, which we need to really soon. So um, Telegram is, I believe, uh, let me have a look, sharing, I think it is. Um, Telegram is, yeah, sharing, S-H-A-R-E-R-I-N-G is our Telegram group. And that's that's got a lot of really good discussions going on around what we're developing. Excellent. And what about you? If someone wants to find you online, maybe have a conversation with you. Um, are you on Twitter? Are you on LinkedIn? Yeah, Twitter. Find so you? jump on Twitter. Um, the real Tim Boss is my Twitter handle. And that's awesome. Boss with one S. Cool. Guys, make sure to follow Tim. Check out Sharing um, and everything that they are working on here in 2023 around privacy and security credentials, um, the whole nine yards. Make sure to like and subscribe to the video down below if you haven't already. Tim, thank you for coming on. It's been Thanks, very, very good episode. I'm I'm very um, curious to how these things kind of pan out in 2023 with obviously the advent of blockchain, but also AI and um, mm-hmm. so many other technologies. And I'm you know this is something to probably talk about forever, honestly. Yeah, but yeah, um, sure. but thank you. Really, really enjoyed it. Learned a lot about. Um, credentials in this space, identity, the vaults that you guys have, these new tokens that could eventually be coming out at some point, the, the soul band, is that what's called, right? Soul band? Soul bound. Yep. Soul bounds, bands, bounds, bonds. <laughs> um, 
whatever. Anyways, uh, really appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. All right, cool. Talk soon. Uh, take care.